This is the all-new Blitz 1170. Thank you for choosing us. All right, welcome back. It's 156 here on the Blitz 1170. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is uh, Matt Hubbard. So, Matt, I have to admit, after the Oklahoma-West Virginia game wrapped up on Saturday, um, I didn't watch a whole lot of Baylor and Kansas State. One, because I saw what the score was at one point and thought, no, I'm out. (laughs) But did you know, did you know that Adam Alexander and Devin Gardner called West Virginia, Oklahoma, and then turned around later on that afternoon evening and were on the Baylor-Kansas State call. Were they really? Yeah, they were doing a remote broadcast. From West Virginia? No. They were doing a remote broadcast from some studio somewhere. They weren't on site for Oklahoma Oh, wow. And and West Virginia. It's like, the, what do you do? You just walk in and be like, hey, you guys want to work a doubleheader? And they're like, yeah, sure. Well, that's something that was brought up via The Athletic, which is, this is Fox finding more ways to cut corners and cut cost on things. And you just wonder what's actually within the new contract for the Big Ten that features a lot of Fox properties on it. And if they're going to carry that same type of, of energy into this new Big Ten contract, like how does all of this play out? I don't know, but I don't blame them for not wanting to send someone to a Northwestern Purdue matchup or something like that. So they didn't have a sideline reporter for that. They also didn't have a sideline reporter for, for Baylor and Kansas State at all. Uh, by the way, they did the same thing last year. They called Kansas State's game against Kansas before then calling Nevada and San Jose State a game that kicked off later that evening. Now, impressive from them, but still, to the masses, like, man, I I don't know. I mean, earlier this year, there were a couple of instances where, what was it? It was the K-State game. That if you remember, they didn't they didn't understand the true scope and depth of Adrian Martinez's injury, and I I think wasn't that that was a Spencer Tillman crew, yeah it was that was on that because they took a lot of heat on social media for the way they were reacting about the injury or having lack of information. That's because they didn't have a sideline reporter for crying out loud yeah, turns to be able out. to dig through any of, of what was happening on the sidelines. Wouldn't it be smarter if you're going to do something like that to actually send the sideline reporter? And, yeah, sure, you didn't have to send the whole crew, but you still had at least someone there. Listen, if you're going to do the game, just send them, right? Yeah. Take the time to send them and have a full broadcast crew. I get it if it's a – and anytime you throw in a lower-level team – it seems like that you're trying to be offensive, but I, if they're willing to do this for Big 12 games, right, and have a lack of care for the type of product that they're putting forward, what does that tell you for, say, like the Conference USA's and Sun Belts of the world? 
You should be thankful that you even have a broadcast for crying out loud. That's that kind of the way that, and by the way, they're paying them like they should be thankful they even have a broadcast anyway. Conference USA's new deal is $750,000 per team, which is, is, which is absurd. Yeah, per year. You, you can't have kids, run an athletic program off that. You have kids that are getting bigger NIL deals than entire athletic departments are get, getting through their media deals in, in the lower ranks. All right, that's for a, another time, though. Let's hit up that hotline. Welcome in Jacob Arnroof from the Oklahoma and covering Oklahoma State here on the Blitz 1170. What's up, Jacob? How are you doing today, man? I'm good, fellas. How are you? Doing well today. Uh, well, for sure. Um, I got to admit, man, I thought my Gundy was awesome yesterday. Taking a few jabs here or there. Uh, he took some yeah. really funny shots at, at Bosworth. Some really funny shots at Bosworth. There was the Holloway stuff that was in there. There was yeah. there was kind of the downplaying of the game. There was the traditional Mike. I don't. I just don't know about youngsters these days. It was everything that makes Mike Gundy awesome all wrapped into one press conference yesterday. It was fantastic. You know the chasing the girls from Del City. Yeah. He's a Midwest City. The the you know just all that. It was it was vintage Mike. You know he's loose. He's he's feeling good. He's. He's happy right now. Um, you know, they came off with a win they needed, and he feels good about the team. He's got Spencer back, too. Why, why can't you feel good? Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So I think we should probably start there with Spencer. Uh, look, I, I understand. I understand, like, how, how, the, how it played out. What I don't think that I understand, Jacob, is the, the reasoning behind it, at least that Mike Gundy was promoting. Because it sounded a whole heck of a lot to me like – um, it was a little bit, it's weird to say, Hey, we were protecting Spencer against Spencer, but then it, the game essentially got to a point where he knew they were going to lose unless they played him. So then it's like, well, we can't really protect Spencer at that point. So he's got to play. That's the way that it really came across through some of his reasoning. I mean, maybe I think the whole idea was they wanted to get him healthy for Bedlam and they wanted another week to get by and he was a break glass in case of emergency situation. And then the emergency popped up. Um, <laughs> Gunner was not effective. And, um, you know, Tim Rattay approached him and or Spencer approached Tim Rattay and said, Hey, if you want me in, I'll go in. And Tim said, okay, you're ready. And they went in. And, uh, you know, I think that's just kind of has Spencer, you know, Spencer would have played in Kansas if they had let him probably, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think it was a break class, break glass, and emergency thing. I mean, he came in when Gunner lost his helmet early in the game too. Yeah, and we thought, what in the world? But then he'd hand the ball off because he wasn't ready to play at that point. But if you get a quarter out of him against the best defense in the Big Twelve, then and he goes in there and operates like he never missed a beat. Then why not? I think we were speaking to this yesterday, and it was it kind of adds another layer to the. Uh, the tenure that is Spencer Sanders in a way, right? I mean, to come in and save the day, it's just another little piece of what has been a really up and down, uh, not, not with too many downs, but just from a consistent level of play, but it, but it does add another piece to the legend that is Spencer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a folk hero now around Stillwater and, you know, he got off a slow start in his career up and down that first year, but he's been really good since for the most part, especially last year. And this year when he's been healthy, he's been dynamic. And it's, you know, I, I know that Max Duggins and Heisman talk and, and all that stuff this year, but you still got to consider Spencer the guy in the Big 12 um, based on the way he's played and the way he plays when he's healthy. Um, he's dealt with a lot. He's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with injuries of receivers around him and linemen around him. Um, he still gets the job done. And his ability to run 
um, I think we're really going to make a difference this week. The th- yeah, and we we I heard someone uh, the other day mention about Bryce Young and that Bryce Young may not be in the Heisman uh, talk this year, but Bryce Young is without a doubt maybe the the most valuable player in the country because where would Bama be without Bryce Young? As crazy as that sounds right now, I kind of would equate that to like Spencer and what he means from an MVP standpoint to Oklahoma State because just look at the way they reacted when he came into that game. I mean, oh, Mike, yeah. Mike Gundy called it a belief. Mike Gundy called it, you know, 50 games in the tenure that's there. But there is absolutely something to be said about the complexion of a game changing the minute that he stepped on the field. Well, the defense got a big boost. The defense has been playing well all night. All of a sudden you saw different energy out of them. That's the kind of impact. The stadium goes crazy. Everyone goes crazy. I mean, everyone in the press box can even feel it. We're just like, oh, my gosh, is he really doing this? And it adds this, uh, I don't know if it's Paul Bunyan-like thing, <laughs> but he's got this aura that's like he comes in there and there's just the, just it's just totally different. Um, it was just such a dead crowd feeling uh, Saturday night until all of a sudden he steps in and everything completely changed. And you just knew, like, okay, they're going to win this game. From a defensive perspective, as you mentioned, uh, OSU forces three interceptions and two fumbles. Um, and on the season, in the span of nine games, I mean, they had just seven and two fumbles. So that's pretty big for them to create that. Uh, but then to maybe have one of their best fourth quarters that we've seen the entire season with the type of pressure that was dialed up. I mean, what a reversal that we've seen from the past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah you know, they finally got a sack. They hadn't had one in, uh, since TCU. And uh, it's the longest time, and it's really shock with this line, but it, it helps too. Um, they were quick to point out that Iowa State had to go one-dimensional at that point. Yeah. They, were, they were no having no success running, so they passing, and OSU knew they were going to pass, so they're able to pin back a little more aggressive. It's been hard. They've had a few injuries. The secondary has been beat up behind them, so you, you're you're hesitant to put a lot of pressure on a quarterback necessarily when the secondary is in the shape it's been in. So I think they've been trying to protect everybody in a way, and and kind of make it work, but they've got to pin him back a little bit this week too. But they got to figure out a way to stop Eric Gray because um, this is the first time they stopped the run really all, pretty much all season um, against a uh, Power 5 team. And so they've got to figure that out because um, Eric Gray might run all over them if they don't because they've not had a lot of success stopping the run. Kendall Daniels uh, had quite the uh, performance over the past weekend as well. Oh, man, he's he's turned into a star already. Um it's not surprising. I mean, he's got the ability, the confidence. He's just got to work on some missed tackles. But he says he struggles with that, this 6'5 frame, but he's working on it. Um, this guy just knows how to be at the place, right place. And, and the biggest thing was it allowed them to – they started him and um, played Thomas Harper, um, he and Sean Flanagan and Sean Michael Flanagan and Jason Taylor. And that allowed Jabbar Muhammad to play corner and to go with Xavier Hutchinson most of the night. And that really helps when you can put Jabbar Muhammad, who's great out of one of the best corners in the Big 12, um, leave him in a spot in, in the corner spot instead of putting him at safety. Um, that really helped the defense. It did, uh, as it seemed like it was almost like hitting the reset button overall defensively uh, for them as well. Now, some of that too is probably contributed by the opponent uh, because I don't know if I've ever seen an instance where you have five turnovers like that. And by, what they they only come up with came up with three points off the five turnovers. Is that correct? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, which I is wild. <laughs> it's wild to think about. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's that, I mean, just the offense wasn't moving the ball. Yeah, it, that just 
and and the running game again. I mean, you are what you are at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I know that Spencer well, came in uh, and 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 did his thing, but you, this is not the first time that we've even had this yeah. discussion with you, Jacob, about about where the running game's at. It's it's still a confusing thing to me because they started two games in a row with Donovan Richardson starting out really well, and then he's barely used much after the first quarter. Um, Mike Gundy says he's banged up, but I think they're looking to expand him this week and have him more involved throughout the game because they might need him to go out and try to close this game against OU um, with his ability to run. And so that's the most confusing thing to me is I know he's banged up, but they're, just, they're not spreading his carries out. He gets off to a great start, and then maybe he gets dinged a little bit or something. I don't know, and they pull him. But like he still appeared in the second half a few times, but they've got to figure out a way to keep him involved the whole game. Boy, you bring up a good point as far as being able to kind of grind a game out because from what we've learned about Oklahoma, not only last year, but this year as well, it's carried over. The The West Virginia game's a prime example of that. West Virginia runs out the final six-plus minutes of the clock. Oklahoma State could really use that to their advantage this weekend if they can find a way. Yeah, and I think they can. you got Spencer back, and if you get Dom in there, I mean, they have a chance. They've, they've blocked well in times when people know they're going to run. They've somehow done that this season, so maybe – if they can figure that out and, and not let OU just stop the run all day, they, they might be in good shape. No doubt uh, at all. What else, uh, what are the big storylines to you uh, coming into this game uh, that maybe we haven't touched on yet? You know, I, I just think it's got to be the health of OSU a little bit too. When you look at the offensive line without Hunter Woodard and Preston Wilson, can they get those guys back? They get Thomas Harper back at safety. Um, I think that's just a big concern. But, you know, I just think that, it's really the question of did they figure things out last week or did they not figure things out? It was just kind of a, kind of a, you know, a, a little bit of combo of the opponent of Iowa State's offense not being very good or, or what. And they got to exercise some demons going into Norman. It's not easy for them any time going into Norman. No, it's not uh, at all, which um, I'm, you hear from the fan base as well is always at the top of their mind, What right, with what happens in Norman, uh, which is why, you know, it's it's kind of intriguing to hear one in one instance, you know, Mike Gundy talk about the rivalry and maybe not what it was, but also to understand just how big of an importance that this game actually is uh, for, for both fan bases and how they react to it. Yeah, you know, and OSU's still in the Big 12 championship game hunt, barely. Um, and you can't stay to lose to help, but they still got to win and take care of their part. So. Yeah, which is weird because technically Tech is still alive too, so I don't know how much like stock yeah. I, I put into some yeah. of that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> like mathematically uh, available in that. But, uh, yeah. but OSU yeah. has a better chance than Tech. It's, yes, they do. You know, it's yes. going to be real hard for Kansas State to lose twice. Yeah, there there is uh, there's no doubt whatsoever. And uh, are, were you surprised a little bit about the uh, the point spread coming into the weekend? I mean, Oklahoma State's been a dog that in, what, like six weeks. I just didn't think it would be this much. Yeah, uh, I didn't think it would be a touchdown. I thought they might be a dog, but I didn't think they'd be a touchdown, full touchdown down. But, uh, you know, I, it's it's still hard to, you know, I'm a little hesitant to buy completely into OSU being, having their problems fixed. So maybe Vegas is too. Well, it should be fun coming up on Saturday. Jacob, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for joining us here in Tulsa right, again. Thanks. And we'll check in again with you soon. That's uh, Jacob Unruh joining us here from the Oklahoman on the Blitz 1170, beat writer for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Yeah, a lot of this is about redemption. Comes down to the health of both teams. It looks like Oklahoma could also be getting a couple of entities back into their lineup, into their mix. 
but no one knows as of right now on a Tuesday even what that could resemble if some of those are indeed game-time decisions because some of them are just getting back on the practice field for the very first time coming up this week. All right, it's 2-12. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next here on the Blitz 1170. want to remind everyone we're broadcasting from Ike's Chili House Studio, serving four generations of Tulsans since 1908. And if you would like to donate a new or used coat at any Yale Cleaners location, both children and adult coats are needed. And if you need a coat, you can pick up one up at the First Baptist Tulsa, either downtown or at their caring center out south. Visit theblitztulsa.com slash coats for all the details. It's Trav's Coats for Kids once again this winter season. We'll take a time out and come back with more next year on the Blitz 1170. This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.